You're listening to Mod Pod, brought to you in association with the River Alehouse Greenwich, South East London Pub of the Year 2022. Hello and welcome to another instalment of Mod Pod, brought to you in proud association with our good friends at the River Ale House on the Woolwich Road. Uh, we've got a pack pod tonight. Um, as always, I'm joined by Mod Mag Lynchpins, Mr. Steve Charnock. How you doing, Steve? I'm good, thank you. You sure? Yeah, I'm alright. And Mr. Will Dalton, that's tricks, Will. Very, very well, thank you. I'm good, Gav. Nice to be here. Good. And uh, once again, twiddling his knobs, we've got the enigma that is Mr. Big Dave Lockwood at the controls. Good right, evening. Dave? Yeah, good. Uh, Real Madrid nil, Man City nil at the moment. Is that right? Well, keep yeah. us posted. Um, <laughs> Got to watch it. <laughs> uh, so on the agenda tonight, we'll be uh, digging through all the dirt and debris uh, that is the ongoing takeover tedium. And our guest this evening uh, to mull over all the gossip and speculation of the current ownership debacle. We're delighted to be joined by Heather McKinley and Heather Alderson from Cast. How are you doing? Hello. <laughs> so we've got the we've got the problem of, of what to call you tonight because being both Heather's. So we need to establish early doors. Is is it is it H Mac? What what are we I'm, going with? Yeah. I'm happy to be H Mac. And privately, she likes to be H one. <laughs> Therefore, I can be H two. Okay. The H Mac is probably easier to remember. Okay. All right. We'll go with that. H1 and H2, you make you sound like droids. <laughs> yeah, but when we gang up and we're H3, that's when you have to really watch out. Okay. And filling us in with everything he's hearing is our friend and yours. It's TV's Ben Ransom. How you doing, man? Hello. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm glad Dave's there to keep me across the Manchester City School because, you know, that's my day job. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking. Looking forward to talking Charlton and hearing Dave's goal updates. Excellent. So, as I said, uh, top of the agenda is the the ongoing uh, takeover ownership situation. It wasn't that long ago uh, that we thought we'd heard addicts to victory for the last time. We've been we'd been kind of reliably assured uh, assured that it was going through, and then it didn't, and it's all sort of hit the buffers. Ben, what are you hearing, man? Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like it's just Groundhog Day being a Charlton fan. Uh, it goes round and round and round. It's always another group. It's always a consortium. It's always someone talking to someone, uh, either on Sky, South London Press, or The Athletic have got involved this time. Um, yeah, and it just feels like we're getting fairly faceless groups again popping up lots of names in the mix um and then it's i suppose you know the, the journalism side of it from my point of view is trying to pick through speak to as many relevant parties as possible and try and get a sense of what's actually going on but um a lot of it is often played down by the club as you'd expect in these kind of things because let's not forget during takeovers normally not much is made public but for some reason in and around charlton takeovers a lot is made public uh, very quickly um so, yeah, I think we're uh, at a little bit of an impasse. That's kind of where I get the sense at the moment. We know 
we know, I mean, I know concrete interest, obviously, from the Friedman Group. Uh, I know that because I've spoken to them. Um, the, the, the Spiegel Group seems to have fallen through, as far as I'm aware. But again, that's still not being completely confirmed as by the club, even a week or two on from when I first asked them about it. Um, so, yeah, we are just left assuming that Thomas Sangard is looking for more money. Uh, we're left uh, knowing that he's turned down £10.5 million in cash from the Friedman Group. And the expectation is, certainly I've been told, that they will make one last push to try and buy Charlton. Uh, and at that point, I think they'll probably have to concede defeat if they're not successful. And, and are you hearing anything from the club or from Sangard, or is this just from the, 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 the groups themselves? No, this is from the groups themselves. Like when I, I mean, you know, when I speak to people <clears throat> in and around the club, um, the noises tend to be pretty similar to what we'd heard from Peter Story the other week, for example, that talks are ongoing, um, you know, lots of irons in fires, all that kind of stuff. Um, Thomas Sangard's proven harder to, to get hold of for, for all of us, I think, um, in the last year or so. Um, when, I mean, I'm sure the, the Heathers um, will probably concur with that, that when he came in full of optimism and we all had the hope and we went through the court case and We'd seen the back of Chris Farnell uh, and co. We kind of thought that this was the, the dawn that we all wanted. We had a uh, a new owner who was willing to talk to the various invested parties and the fans. And then I think everyone I've spoken to who kind of had those links to him and those those uh, um, pathways to speak to him about things, they've kind of slowed down. And as I say, that the Heathers will probably have a more of an insight into that because I suppose they have a slightly different hat. Whereas... With me, I'm a I'm a Charlton fan, so I keep an interest. And th- the reason I got involved in the takeover stuff initially, not, let's not forget, was because the likes of Matt Southall um, were based up in the northwest. So it just so happened that I had a lot of contacts that knew of these people, and it kind of opened the doors there for me to get to know people involved in in the various processes. Um, obviously, since Thomas has been in the club under the carpet, uh, for, sorry, his uh, his uh, legs on the uh, feet on the carpet, um, it kind of it's the story's moved back down to your part of the world, if that makes sense. So I guess, as I say, the, the insight from the club itself is probably better coming from, from those of you who speak to them more regularly than me. And Heather McKinley, how are you feeling about the takeover situation as it stands? Um, I mean, I've, yeah, reinforce a lot of what Ben said. It's quite murky. Um, there's a lot of jostling for position, um, but we don't seem to be getting anywhere fast. We're aware as well that the Friedman Methven group um, are pushing quite hard to get a resolution. Um, they certainly do seem to have quite a lot of contacts across the fan base, to, and they clearly have taken a view of, of trying to get their message out there. Um, the Spiegel side, I think it's fascinating because you know Peter Story obviously came in at the time when that bid first became public. Um, he supposedly is Sangard's man, technically, um, but I believe he does have regular contact with Spiegel as well. So all the time he's still in position at the club, you wonder whether, you know, is that is that definitely finished or is there something still ongoing in the background there? Um, and then we've had other names mentioned, which, to be honest, I know very little about um, the, the Noah one, the Armenian one. And then the name Platek as well has been mentioned, um, MSN group, I think, or am I getting that confused? Um, it, and 
they have been involved with various English clubs in providing loan finance. Um, so there's some interesting stuff there if that progresses at all. But none of that, you know, the latter two, none of that's been officially confirmed. Um, so I think we're all in a, a situation that time is marching on. We're in an absolutely critical point in the start of the close season. And while we're a few weeks away yet from football being played again, this is the key, key time for the groundwork to be done for next season. And we've seen Holden express a bit of frustration already. Mm. And you know, your heart's got to go out to him a bit that he's come in, he's done done a sterling job really in pulling together what he possibly can. And I think more than anyone, he must be desperate for some clarity and for really understanding what the plans are for the future because it's all very well for story to say um you know we we are planning for next season and that the plan is top six whoever's in control the reality behind that you've got to you know you've got to be a little bit concerned that there can't be quite that clarity there yeah we um we when we spoke to him last week we pushed him on exactly that point actually that heather's just raised which is that it's all very well and good saying that, but when you're in a situation where, you know, one of maybe five groups of people could be owning the club and, um, and talking about, well, it is a, it's going to be a top six budget and so on, it's very hard for fans to believe that because it doesn't bear up under any kind of logical scrutiny. Um, you know, and in a way... Uh, story might believe that to be the case and he may have put in the kind of the plans and and all of those kind of things but until it happens I think we're we're going to have to it's very very hard for all of us to to believe that and it's also unlikely that we can actually bring anybody in immediately anyway because of restrictions of when you can you can bring contracts through so it's um it's a hard one to uh, to kind of be certain about certainly and, and the story must be pulling his hair out must he because he obviously wants to get a deal done that's why he's there i mean you, you can only assume that the sand guards being difficult um i don't know i mean uh, what, what do we make of of the story statement it was obviously intended to reassure fans and uh and kind of put a positive spin on things presumably to sell more season tickets i don't know what do you think ben yeah, I think um, I think it's normal for clubs to come out with these kind of statements, isn't it? Um, I think that you know, to be fair, the even though I mean, whenever anything's put out on a club channel, no matter what the club, and this is absolutely not a dig at Charlton at all, because actually I think the, the media department do some great stuff. But obviously, you know, when you work uh, for uh, kind of a broadcaster or another journalism uh, journalist uh, journalism output, and you get a lot of stuff given to you from club TV. It's always going to have a PR spin. Of course it is. Um, and it's interesting that clubs now are able to often put things out without the same kind of scrutiny. You know, you don't normally see uh, chief execs and the like doing interviews with, with anyone outside of the club themselves. So, it, I mean, you can always take a little bit of what you hear from club TV as, as being a PR spin. Of course, it's going to be that. Mm. Um, and the message was very much out there to reassure, wasn't it? I mean, that's the sense I got from it. But I think Heather's right in what she says, and that it's it's one thing to say to say these make these noises, make these statements. Uh, it's another thing to then put that against everything you've learned about, you know, uh, either a way a club is acting um, over a number of months and years. And yeah, it's very hard to 
believe everything that Peter Story said. Whether he believes himself or not, I don't know. But it's it was yeah, it felt like a a statement designed to reassure, quite political, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. Who and I think, think we, we feel it was in response to the uh, open letter that we put out uh, to Sandgard as well. I think that the club felt as if they needed to get something out uh, in response to that, whether it, I mean, it certainly wasn't Sandgard himself, which is who arguably should be in front of uh, fans uh, answering questions because he now is the, you know, he's the owner of the club. Peter Story is his chief executive. So um, right now, if nothing changes, it's him that needs to be providing money for next season. Who do you think will be running the club at the start of the season, Ben? I mean, that, <laughs> that is the £12.5 million pound question. Uh, I don't know, is my honest answer, um, because it, the, 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 the thing that I can't quite marry up is the fact that I know, obviously, that Thomas has said he wants to sell. I know that there have been different groups that have tried to do a deal and some have gone quite a long way towards securing a deal for the club only for it to fall through at the last minute. Um, I know that certainly the people I'm speaking to believe that the price has gone up for Charlton. Let's not forget it was, I think it was, what, 9 million for 90% before Christmas. That was Thomas was happy with that at the time. Uh, he would have kept his 10% stake. Then that the goalposts moved. They're now... There's an offer on the table I know for ten and a half million pounds. That has been rejected. Therefore, the noises that he wants between twelve and fourteen seem as though he's put the price up for what I'm not sure. That's what that's what I'm trying to work out why why he wouldn't sell um, because the situation seems exactly the same as it was a year ago, and that it's facing another season in League One. It's facing another big bill for him to pay both club running costs which I know a lot has been made about how much of that he's actually covering versus and also then recruitment wages investment in the playing staff now the promise from Peter's story was that there was going to be investment in the playing staff because I think they recognize at least under Dean Holden they've got a, a manager to potentially guide a team a good team out of the division which um you know again no disrespect to any of the predecessors but there were certainly a couple of false dawns on that front and some underachieving on the pitch um but for me it's about time time is of the essence here because there is concern and dean holden has publicly expressed it so i'm not betraying any confidences by saying there's clearly concern from the manager about um about getting a takeover day in time for him to recruit for next year. And it's not just next season, is it? Because players want two-year contracts. So it's not just about pulling together a group like almost like Chris Powell did with, you know, loads of free agents, 20 or players signed, gelling them together and getting out the league. Um, it's not even about that. It's about players potentially, if you haven't got a takeover and the budget is a certain level, we are shopping in a certain pool and a certain aisle of the supermarket. And you're signing those players up for two years. So you're not just potentially jeopardising this year, but next year as well. It's a similar kind of squad. The budget is kind of set. And I suppose the one thing that was encouraging when I got news that the Friedman group had come back in was that they know, having done 90% of their due diligence previously, that within a week or two, a few days of going through all the books to check what's changed in the last three months, and then another two, three weeks, they could have had a deal completed in time for the transfer window to open. Whereas given that we don't know ever any other concrete bid on the table and given that 
There are new parties being talked about that Heather was mentioning, seemingly in for the club. No deal can possibly can be completed before, what, end of June, July, August? Mm. And where does that leave the, the recruitment and the, and the restructure of, of Charlton? And then do we all just come back and do this podcast in a year's time and have the same conversations? Yeah, that is the depressing the depressing thing. Do you think we'd be in good hands with the Meth and Freeman group? Friedman group? I mean, that, that's not really for me to say. I, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I, I, obviously, if we go back to the Farnell days, it seemed like, you know, certainly Thomas would, was was fantastic hands. He certainly made all the right noises. He was committed to the club. He seemed to be passionate about the, the brand, about the, the support base. The communication was excellent. He, he There's no doubt he put money in. Um, there's no doubting that he wanted to get promoted. Um, and then results on the pitch and what we hear from people that have worked at the club off the pitch, it's just unraveled over the course of a couple of years and we are back exactly where we were before. So it's hard to say. I think that the, the, the crux is, though, that the one thing that gives me some confidence about the Freeman Group is the fact that, let's not forget, the people they brought to the club seem to be good people, in particular, mm. the one that remains. And that's Dean Holden. I think everyone on this panel, on this podcast right now, will probably agree that he is a good guy. And he, he has come, he's, he's come in and been appointed by a group that have obviously done their due diligence on him. So if their judgment on him is right, then hopefully uh, their judgment on other things will be right as well. I mean, I, I, know, I know, before I carry on, because I know I've, I've, I've whistled on a lot, but... I will just say one other thing. I, I did speak to uh, Charlie Methvin, and again, I won't. I'm not betraying too much of a confidence here because I think he'd be happy with me sharing that I did grill him a bit on the on the future plans, particularly for the academy, because all the noises are that if Thomas keeps control of the club, obviously he's going to have to make you know fund it somehow, and obviously we've got some absolute gems that have stepped up this season. Now I know Peter's story is saying about not selling, but even he in that interview couldn't stop himself from saying, "If a big offer comes in, we'll sell." And that's only right. It is football. But, you know, the, the noise is certainly from Charlie Method when I spoke to him and the Friedman group is that they recognise that the academy is the USP. That is what gives Charlton the edge over 70 odd other clubs in the football league. It's a remarkable jewel in our crown, seeing as it's in the week of the coronation. Um, and every year the production line gives us assets that are valuable and they potentially give Charlton a, a, a course for optimism, which a lot of teams that are struggling in similar situations with ownership models and who are languishing in different leagues but they don't believe they should be, they don't quite have the same hope. Is yeah, is there is there a chance and this that that, that Sandgard's had a had a change of heart and thought, I'm gonna give it another go? Or do you think he definitely wants out? I don't know. I mean I I I've I can't second guess Thomas. Again, the Heathers speak to him more than I do, so they they will probably have more of an insight into his his motivations. Um, it, the fact that it's a loss-making business just makes me think that surely he does want out. Otherwise, he's going to be faced with not only playing staff bills, but all the kind of club bills and all that sort of stuff, which does go away if he sells the club. Yeah. Heathers, have you, um, have you had a reply from Sangard at all after, after the letter? You haven't been in contact with Sangard, have you? No, we haven't had a reply to the letter we sent last week, other than obviously, as as, as the other Heather said, that we did get the response from, from the club in terms of, of, of the statement from Peter Story, which answers some of the questions, although not all of them. Um, 
I mean, I don't think we've had any direct contact with Sangod since the last fans forum. Have we had her back in no. December? No. I mean, I, I was at the last fans forum and I, uh, that had him at, I mean, because he didn't come to the last actual convened one. Uh, he said the story in his place. Um, so the last one was was before Christmas. And that's when, in fact, we made it clear that he'd completely lost support the fan base. And the reason for that was that uh, we'd had a we'd convened a meeting. In fact, the, the meeting that uh, Ben was was at on, on the panel to kind of talk about uh, what we wanted for the future of the club and a number of things were spoken about at that but one of them was to draw a clear line in the sand as saying these are the things that Charlton supporters expect from uh, any owner and right now you are the owner and if you're not prepared to commit to those things we're not going to commit to you and we're going to officially say sell our club and he, he refused to commit to them so that's our position from there on in and uh, he, the interestingly the stickling point on the when I kind of delivered all of that to him was actually around interference on the pitch it was about the fact that he could not commit to the idea that he didn't want to sort of play with the uh, with the players if you like and, and work out what formation we were going to play in week in week out which we all know of course is something that he had been doing a bit from you know he wanted high press football and, and all of that kind of thing and and um, I think Dean Holden's arrival, as um, Ben has been saying, has been an absolute fresh, fresh air. But he's at least somehow managed to get Sandgard out of the, the equation in terms of picking the team, which, which is great. Um, having, and um, you asked the question of whether, you know, does he want to sell or not? Um, I mean, the impression I got at that fans forum is that he was very, he was uncomfortable. He was uncomfortable. He didn't like the fact that fans were not supporting him any longer. It met, it put him in a situation of, of great personal unease. And he actually only really relaxed into the conversation when we were talking about it, when there were other items on the agenda that were really, really nothing to do with him at all. And uh, so he, he clearly is, it, it sort of got to him. He's also, as we know, somebody who is, is quite proud, you know, people refer to it as an ego uh, and I think it has been um it, it's been he's been confronted now with football isn't as easy as he thought it was mm. and uh it's not gone as well as he said it would and and we will st stick up and st um and make our voices known well he was only ever here for the adulation wasn't he yeah and, and, as soon as that and that's disappeared yeah. completely yeah. And 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 you know, so what's in it for him now? <laughs> you know. Well, that's right. That's you right. Can't, you, can't, you can't. You can't go on the pitch uh, playing your <clears throat> guitar when we finish tenth. Quite. Um, so I, I feel. Like, I mean, I, uh, for me, he checked out months ago, and the fact that he stopped communicating and he stopped turning up to the forums, you know, which makes it even more baffling why he hasn't accepted one of these offers. Does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, he's obviously. It's obviously run its course for him, um, and I do. Yeah, it's, I, I just find it maddening that that he, you know, we haven't got a new owner. It feels unfortunately. It feels like it's a bit of a throwback to when De Chatelet was supposedly selling, and yeah, you, know, so oh. you were nearly there. The next two weeks are crucial. It's all <laughs> going to get sorted, and then yeah, then the price reason, changes, it didn't, yeah. yeah, the price went yeah. up, and the goalpost shifted. And... I mean, we've got to remember that you know De Chatelet did put the club in considerable debt. 
and you know to a degree we you know we are recovering from the from the damage done by du Chatelet and uh, arguably people before that as well so we've been on this kind of treadmill of 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 horror really it's coming up to our 10th anniversary isn't it of uh, du Chatelet buying the club it will be next season at least yeah so well no I mean I was I was talking to to Will the other week about how lots of fans have got a selective memory of of, of what du Chatelet did you know a lot of fans are saying, "Oh, we were better off under Roland," but you know you can't rewrite history, really. I mean, and, and it's very, it's very easy to be a smart ass in hindsight, isn't it? But you know you can't underestimate the damage that Roland did. Absolutely. I mean, he put the club in considerable debt, and yeah. he and he's you know is it continues to have an unreasonable impact onto the club today. Yeah, and absolutely. Put us in massive peril by you know basically letting ESI walk in the door. Yeah. yeah. So, and I play devil's advocate here. Oh, hi, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Say Thomas remains at the club, but he's put Peter Story in, or has he? But Peter Story is there. The vibes I get from everybody from behind the scene, the staff, is that they have reacted really well to Peter. He's running a very tight ship and, and steadied the thing, steadied it. What if he leaves? What if Sandgard leaves Holden and Gallon to do the recruiting? And they go in and bring the players in. And next season, we have a fantastic season. Sangard's still there. Well, I, I think if Sangard's bankrolling that. I, I, well, well, he is bankrolling the club to the tune. You know, there are rumours of what, three quarters of a million every month being put in by him to keep the club going. So, <laughs> you know, whether he's got an endless pot of money, I don't know. You don't know. And whether he's got the commitment to do that or not. But playing devil's advocate, what if he were to do that? What if he were to stay there and to say, I'm going to fund it, let you two get on with it, actually do what he should have done in the first place yeah, and listen absolutely. to people, you know. If he, were, if he were to bankroll a squad that was capable of competing for, for promotion and took it back, I wouldn't have a problem with that. And we all know that can be done. Yeah, but I, I I don't know that he 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 would would he? I mean, if if he said to Holden, you know, is twelve million go and get us promoted? <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm going back to Colorado to miss ski chalet. Then he I'd be I'd be fine with that. But he invested sorry, before. Yeah, he invested before, didn't he, Sangard? It was more the kind of the gap between Sangard and the squad itself, and and the kind of management team with no experts in between in terms of recruitment. I know. Um, Gallon's had a decent track record a few years ago, but the transfers haven't come off in the last couple of years. And with just Martin Sangard there and no kind of no seeming kind of experts around. I think that was the thing. It wasn't really the funds that were the problem with Sangard. It was it was the expertise below and his kind of lack of willingness to to put those right people in charge. But do you think what what Dave are you saying that that maybe finally he might have realised that you do need to put put experts in charge? I mean, I mean. If he was if he was willing to fall on his sword and say I got it all wrong and I'm putting these people in charge and here's all the money you need, then I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I don't know. Is that is that is that really what we're seeing? Is that really what how it's going to play out? I don't. Who know. knows? Who knows? That's the thing. None of us know. I think ultimately, ultimately, if 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 the team starts performing and we start winning every week, you know, ownership uh, issues do go on the back burner, don't they? They do. But I think there's one thing to uh, to say in support of what, what Dave said, actually, which is 
by putting in a chief exec, which is something that we'd all said all along was missing and necessary, then actually at least having somebody there who's making sure that the lights are switched off at night and people are uh, doing things in an orderly fashion just kind of has calmed it down a little bit in terms of operating the club. Now, the thing is that, you know, it's shows the importance of having somebody in that role. I mean, I think we've picked up a bit of what Dave's just said as well about just it feeling a bit calmer in the in the kind of day-to-day running. But then that's probably in, ref- in contrast to absolutely how utterly chaotic it was for, for two years and people feeling as if they were in danger of losing their jobs and that they can express themselves and their you know, their Charlton values were undervalued by the ownership and all of those kind of things. So it really was very, very terrible for people working for the club. Mm. It does seem like Story is at least a grown-up in the room now, doesn't it? And, and is, is kind of, yeah, you know, whatever his reputation is. And, but, you know, he's, he's a very experienced football man and that can only be a good thing, I think. He's got the football now, and that is so important in terms of, just doing deals with other clubs, knowing what players might or might not be becoming available and who their agents are and how you approach them. And I think we've just been totally missing that for the last couple of years. Um, So, you know, whether it's Story or or another, just having someone who is embedded in the game and has those contacts and knows how things work. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you, Heather and Heather and Ben, for for coming on Mod Pod and uh, picking through the uh, the ownership debris, uh, who knows how it's going to play out? Um, I do feel that maybe it might be one of those things where, when we're least expecting it, you know, a deal's done. It's like, or or maybe not. We don't. We just don't know. But thank you. That, so to be fair, Gareth, that's often how it does happen. Um, yeah. Just a final word. There, that's often how it does happen. I mean, look, you. You know, I'm based in the Northwest. I've covered a lot of clubs up in this part of the world um, who have had terrible owners, much worse than Thomas Sangard um, at his worst, you know, in terms of like pulling money out of the club, in terms of um, not necessarily, you know, creating a good environment behind the scenes in terms of court cases, in terms of all sorts. And don't forget the Charlton one came off the back of, we had Berry in this part of the world and Bolton and Wigan and all sorts of clubs going through the mire. And, I've also seen good owners like a Hull who were great uh, and they got Hull to the Premier League suddenly, again, run, effectively run out of money and desire and then become public enemy number one. So, you know, good owners can become bad and vice versa. Um, but the importance of having, like Heather was saying, experienced football people in is the one thing that you you can't cheat at. You need people in who who know what they're doing. And look, you're absolutely right. If, if Dave's kind of like theory about Thomas is or... or um, idea that it might go that way works, then of course, football fans love nothing more than talking about football. You know, it's just so happens that at our club in particular, we've spoken about ownership issues way more than we should have done. But then I'll finish with Bolton as a fun example of a club where who that are run really well now that were not that long ago being passed around the courtroom. I was sat there between Ken Anderson on one side and Lawrence Bassini on the other. So there are always people like that around as well. And you it's always be careful what you wish for, I think, with all these things. Yeah. And Coventry and Sunderland, of course, have, have had their issues and they they did all right yesterday, didn't they? <laughs> I was wondering how long you'd take to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> they must be absolutely 
punching there that they haven't got a playoffs in the playoffs, Sunderland. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for coming on. Thank Heather, you. Heather, Pleasure. and up the addicts. Up the addicts. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. This is Steve Brown. You're listening to Mod Pod, the podcast that won't let you down. A huge thank you to TV's Ben Ransom for joining us on Mod Pod. What a guy. And incidentally, he is our host at uh, the Mod Mag event uh, for the QA to celebrate 25 years of that. 1998 playoff final against Sunderland. We've got Peter Varney, we've got Alan Kerbishley, we've got Brownie coming along down to uh, the Brew by Numbers tap room on the 25th of May, which is a Thursday night. Um, tickets are still available and £18 of the ticket price. Tickets are £30, but that includes two pints. £18 of that price goes to the Jack Jeffries Superhero Trust, which is an absolutely brilliant charity brilliant children's cancer charity so if you can support that that would be absolutely brilliant and get as many people down there as possible it'll be such a great night there are rumors that there'll be some famous faces down there as well so it'll be well worth turning up there'll be pizza there'll be incredible beer and we'll be there so please do go to modmag.co.uk and get your tickets while there's still some left it'll be a great night without further ado we uh, steve have you got a quiz for us is that right yeah, don't say it like that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I just noticed that you had your gold lame jacket on, um, so I just assumed it was quiz time. Yeah, the uh, I stopped doing the poems. So the quizzes. Have you, oh, I was hoping for a poem as well, but I try and make some of it rhyme if you like. <laughs> well, it depends. Is that going to add, add add minutes to the podcast? If you, I, I can only more. think of one word that rhymes with the uh, quiz and. I don't want to. I don't want to get this an R rating. I don't know what I'm <laughs> Apple get a bit funny about that stuff, don't they? <laughs> don't say things like that. Roger, take the bath for the beer. <laughs> Over to you, Mr. Steve Charnock. We're going to do this now, are we? I think so. We were going to talk about how shit our season was, but yeah, let's not bore anyone with that. Let's bore them with a quiz instead. Tenth, everyone. Right. So. Uh, just join together as a team. I'm not going to ask separately. Um, feel free to play along at home if you like. This is a game that I am calling, and you can call it this as well, Celebrator or Gladiator. <laughs> do you see? Does that yeah. make sense? So I'm going to give you a name, and all you're going to do is you're going to tell me whether a Celebrator, whether they've scored a goal against the Giant Athletic Men's senior team this season, or whether they're a Gladiator, Someone off of ITV's popular television sports entertainment game show of the 1990s. <laughs> Celebrate Royal Gladiator. Really is that simple. Okay. Does that make sense? Is that good? I think so. So they've scored against us. Is that right? If they're so, a yeah, they either scored, I'll give you a name, they either scored against us for a, a team or it's the real name of a gladiator off of gladiators. A real name. <laughs> <clears throat> just give me an answer as a team so you can confer amongst yourself. Okay. Number one. Danny Butterworth, cele- celebrator or gladiator? Isn't that the ex-Palace bloke who, who played for us for a bit as well? Mm. He wasn't gladiators, but I'm, I don't sure that, I'm sure it's a celebrator. I said, I'm going to go celebrator, yeah. Go on then. Is that your answer? Team? Yeah, we're going celebrator, Steve. 
It is celebrated. Well Get done. In. I don't know if it's the same fellow who played for us, but he scored the winner for Port Vale at Vale Park back in November. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Number two, James Crossley, celebrator or gladiator? I think he's a gladiator. <laughs> I think he might have been Shadow or Cobra. I'm happy with Gladiator. You going Gladiator? Yeah. It's Gladiator, that's two from two. It wasn't Shadow or Cobra, it was Hunter. Ah, uh, Hunter. Oh, he wasn't he the one with... Um, 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 yeah. Yes, her, yes. Lovely long hair. Mm. All right, Dave. <laughs> yeah, he went out with um, Rika Johnson. Just to Did he? <laughs> oh, okay. And also, also um, uh, yeah, had a line in Wellies as well, I think. <laughs> he was also on the Keith and Paddy picture show at one point. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it is, in a way. Okay. No, it's not. Yeah. Number three, Ashley Chambers. Celebrator, gladiator. Ashley Chambers. That could be a female gladiator S, couldn't it? Could be. I'm going to say celebrator. It felt like I... some... Yeah, no, okay. I feel I feel like it might be Nightshade or something like that. I think she might be a gladiator, but I don't know. Let's go celebrator. I'll, I'll stick with the team. Three, team. three, three from three is Ooh. celebrator. Guess in there. He was the bloke who scored Colville Town's goal. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, First round of the cup. That was this season. Excellent. Number four, Michael Van Vyke. Oh, Michael Van Vyke. Pure gladiator to me. It's got to be a gladiator that night. You can see like a mullet, a ripped torso. (laughs) All right, we go gladiator, Steve. Good at this. This is four out of four. It was Wolf. Uh, That's Wolf, is it? It was Wolf. Wolf. Oh, he's in in New Zealand. Yeah, he's in New Zealand now, isn't he? He runs a successful (laughs) chain of gyms. You've been following the career of Wolf, Dave, since gladiators went off the air. Don't know. I just remember seeing something on, on the news. He was running a soft play in New Zealand for kids. Soft there you go. <laughs> Did you know? Ball here's balls. a piece of trivia about uh, Wolf. Uh, in October 1994, he played a match for Gillingham Reserves. Did he really? What, as a trialist? He played 73 minutes against the Cambridge United reserve team before going off injured. The match attracted a crowd 10 times the average of the club's normal reserve case. So he must have been a celebrity at that point. About 50. He got he yeah. got injured when 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 their centre half hit him with a massive pugil stick. <laughs> right, final one, number five, Jefferson King, celebrator or gladiator. Isn't he Jefferson American president? King. Yeah, I think he's a gladiator. Is this for five out of five, isn't it? This is I think he's a gladiator. Yeah. yeah. I think he's a gladiator. Well, he is. This is beautiful. Five out of five, hundred percent. He was shadow. Oh, he was Shadow. Right. Okay. I don't you think I knew a... any of those opposition players, but we sort of did know quite a lot of gladiators. Which... <laughs> <laughs> 25 years ago. Oh, uh, Jefferson had a difficult time after his stint on the show and was axed due to a steroid scandal. Oh, really? He had several periods in jail uh, and is currently serving a six-year sentence for kidnapping, beating, blackmail and false imprisonment. <laughs> yes. uh, there you go. Jefferson oh, King. Where did it all go? Wrong celebrate gladiator. I don't think that went that well, but... <laughs> well, it went well for us because we got five out of five. <laughs> it went uh, well hast- for you, yeah. I think it was an entertainment point of view. But... A hastily compiled quiz, Steve. That was no mean feat. God you don't bless. get this on Charlton Live, do you? You don't. Ah. Uh, <laughs> no, they get people from, they get like uh, Dean Holden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They talk yeah. about the football that happens. 
yeah, it's and about too serious, four man. times more subscribers. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I think more where that came from, Steve. I like the quizzes. I like the whimsy. I like. Yeah, I don't know I what don't the know listeners think. What the fans think? They probably just. They, yeah, they probably switched off about half an hour ago. <laughs> I think they switched off when when I said, "Steve, you've done a quiz, haven't you?" And then that, that's when the the the, yeah, the numbers nose dived. But I enjoyed it, Steve. Thank you, man. You're welcome. Round of applause. Can I edit the edit? <laughs> I'll put that in the edit. <laughs> Well, thank as ever, thank you ever so much for listening. Uh, I've been Gavin Billiness. I've been joined by Will Dilton, Steve Charnock, and Mr. Dave Lockwood. This has been Mod Pod Up the Addicts. You're listening to Mod Pod, the podcast from the team behind Mod Mag the surprisingly good Charlton Athletic fanzine.